0: Live Bar. on the Freak Radio Network, broadcasting from the Lucas Oil Studios, driven
1: by General Tire. It's
0: Speed Freaks, Motorsports Radio, redefined. What the hell? With Kenny Sergeant,
1: Beijing Doctor, Douchebag,
0: Crash Gladys, get
1: in crash position. And Statman, don't
0: overdrive the car. Here's the no Freak, coming on Freak.
2: Mother Nature did its G, its G damnedest to stop Kevin Harvick and crew from getting that race done and over at Dover, that is. And, well, she couldn't do that. Eight laps after the 400 restarted from a rain delay of almost uh, 45 minutes. Harvick passes Stuart Haas racing teammate Clint Boyer and says later. Uh, wins the race by almost six, excuse me, eight seconds.
3: Yeah, seven and a half seconds. <laughs> oh,
2: stat man, were you having flashbacks to NASCAR back in 1972, where some of those winners would win by about three or four laps?
4: I wish I could have
2: flashbacks
4: because I was flashing asleep. Man. <laughs> oh snap.
3: Man. Yeah, that was the sentiment on Twitter yeah. and Facebook as well.
2: Yeah, you're behold when you're beholden to, to that rain delay and then. That happens with Kevin Harvick. Can well, you-
3: he won every stage. He yeah. led 201 <laughs> of the 400 laps. Yeah, it was a domination. It was a Stuart Haas domination as well because Clint Boyer, obviously, in second place. The team just, <laughs> they were on kill.
2: How you doing, Freak Nation? Speed Freaks on Twitter. or therefore there for you on Facebook. The website, SpeedFreaks.tv. This hour brought to you by our friends at ISM Raceway and the Can-Am 500 coming up November 9th, 10th, and 11th. It's going to be here before you know it, man. The semifinal weekend prior to Homestead. It's going to be in Phoenix at ISM Raceway, ISM Raceway, ISMRaceway.com. 800-878-7529. That's 800-878-7529. Or unless you're like Statman, you're still sleeping through that NASCAR race. (laughs) (laughs) 800-878-PLAY. Again, at Speed Freaks on Twitter. Coming up tonight. Your WeatherTech Sports Car Championship winner, along with Elio Castro-Neves, Ricky, K- Ricky Taylor will be joining us here. Leah Pritchett, she'll be here on the Freak Nation. Top Fuel winner. Her first win, her first freaking final? The first final, yeah. This year?
3: Let alone her first win, her first final. This is someone who won, what, four races last year? Just almost unstoppable? Yeah. yeah.
2: All right, so she's going to join us. She's top Fuel winner from Atlanta. She'll be here. Got some giveaways for you, too. Be sure you're following us on Twitter. We did not give away that Long Beach Grand Prix winner with the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. The hat. The hat. The there you go. Hat. Thank yeah. you. Uh, who the hell won that damn race? Remind me.
3: That was, I almost said Pietro Fittipaldi because I'm staring at his name right here. Yeah. That was uh, Felipe Albuquerque.
2: Got it. Okay. So we've got that hat to give away along with the Mid-Ohio oh, winners so we today.
3: Do have both hats. Yeah. Oh, I misunderstood the text string. I got it.
2: Uh, Let me make sure that I read the text string right, Crasher.
3: (laughs) I know we have the Mid-Ohio hat signed by Elio Neves and Ricky Taylor Ah, to give away. Yes, we do. So let's definitely give that one away. The Long Beach one, I think, I don't think we, yeah, I don't think we have that one to give away.
2: I've got it. No, I have it. Okay. I have it on my snappy Mac computer that continues to shut its ass down right in front of me. POS. Wait, wait, wait,
3: hold yeah, on Mac.
4: You mean there's a Mac problem the, the <laughs> Mac people have a Mac problem with their Mac computers. That's a big bite of the apple dude.
2: Right. I think the problem I had is when two weeks ago, two or three weeks ago when I had it out at the Lucas oil off-road racing series in Chandler, Arizona, there was a sandstorm that came through. And by the time I got my computer back to the bungalow, Man, there was a pile of mud on top of that damn thing. I'm still trying oh, to that. That'll do it. That'll do it.
3: <laughs> uh, yeah. That's not Mac's problem. That is Phoenix' yeah. problem. So I
2: got. Regardless, let's just, okay, then let's do this. I know we have the Long Beach hat. Let's do that on an off weekend. Okay. All right. Next weekend. So we'll, we've got uh, the Mid-Ohio uh, Continental Tires autographed hat to give away from WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. Uh, Statman, uh, how many times did you and Herschel McGriff go out back in the day when you guys were hanging together there in the mid Ohio area?
4: Oh, we shared we shared cohibas, we shared <laughs> a little
2: uh, a little adult beverage
4: once in a while. Yeah. Out at Riverside Raceway,
2: yeah. Well, and probably the, the he probably was sharing it with you when you were maybe ten years old because he was probably forty at the time. Herschel McGriff, <laughs> the <laughs> oldest racer to compete. In a NASCAR-sanctioned event, did this? Did it this past weekend in Tucson in the K&N Pro Series West? Uh, at the age of 90. Wow. At the wow. age of 90.
3: Racing some 16-year-olds, probably. Yeah.
2: Holy it's about a half-mile track. In fact, I don't even. I don't even think it's a fourth mile. It's like three point something or other down in Tucson. I say down because we're up in Phoenix. It could be across from you. Well, depending on where you're Ooh, listening, San Diego, yeah. All right, so yeah, not only not only did a dude at 90 years old running this race, I think he got himself a top 20, <laughs> 18th, but he also played the trombone, uh, the national anthem to kick off the race. No, he did not. <laughs> what? Yes. That's a
3: badass you know, story.
2: It's pretty late to bring this up
4: before we bring in the affiliates, but what do you think about having a 90-year-old out <laughs> there? Right.
2: Oh, uh, well, I see where you are. Well, at. we just might have to d- talk about that coming <laughs> up here in the Freak Nation. Let's bring in those affiliates with the freaks.
0: Speed Freaks. We promise to suck less. Speed Freaks Motorsports Radio, redefined. The Freaks.
2: Welcoming in a number of affiliates to Speed Freaks on a Sunday night. How you doing? Crash Gladys, Kenny Sargent, Speed Freaks on a Sunday night. Stat Man Scat coming up momentarily. Our guest, Ricky Taylor, your sports car championship winner with Elio Castro-Neves from Mid-Ohio. They'll be jo- he'll be joining us here in 740 Pacific. Leah Pritchett, the NHRA top fuel winner from Atlanta. She'll be in here the second hour. The website, speedfreaks.tv. Follow us on Twitter at Speed Freaks, and, of course, on Facebook. Crash Gladys, Pit News and Notes, brought to you by our good friends at Continental Tire. You go to continentaltire.com to find the righteous rubber for your righteous ride. That's right. You go to Continental Tire. Crasher?
3: Supercross season is over. El hombre is your new champion. Jason Anderson netted himself a fifth-place finish in Vegas last night, but it was enough to solidify his first big boy supercross title eli tomac took the race win in the 250s it was adam cn carulo taking the east-west shootout with the west title going to zach osborne obviously zach had many many wins this year in imsa they raced over in mid-ohio one of statman's favorite tracks team penske took the overall win heck They went 1-2 with their talented group of drivers. It was Ricky Taylor and Elio Castroneves with the team's first win of the year. Not a shabby way to kick off Elio's month of May, as he is now all focused on history and his fourth Indy 500 win at the end of this month. Speaking of the Indy 500, bad news for Pietro Fittipaldi, as he broke both of his legs in a WEC crash at Spa this week, obviously forcing him out of any attempt at the Indy 500. The latest update from his uncle, Max Pappas, good conditions and good spirit left leg fractures right ankle fracture surgery completed well scans looked good four to seven days recovery in liege then back to the usa for rehab expect to be back earlier than later that's good news nascar racing in dover johnny Sauter with the truck win justin allgaier with the xfinity win and kevin harvick let's speak of domination damn dude kevin harvick his fourth win of the year and hey jimmy johnson where are you It's now been exactly one year without a single win for Mr. Seven Time. NHRA down in Atlanta. Leah Pritchett, your winner in top fuel. Courtney Force in Funny Car. Way to go, ladies. Vincent Nobile in Pro Stock. And Eddie Craigwick in the Motorcycles.
2: Statman asked the question, 90 years old, racing a big boy series. We explain. Coming up, Speed Freaks Pits and the Lucas Oil Studios. The Extreme Contact Sport is Continental Tire's newest ultra-high-performance tire. Tested to the limits by championship-winning race car drivers, the Extreme Contact Sport satisfies the most demanding driver. This dynamic street tire was built for car enthusiasts and engineered for extreme grip in dry and wet conditions. Whether it's a Sunday drive on the open road or you need to get to and from work, this tire is for what you do. For more information, visit ContinentalTire.com. That's ContinentalTire.com. Continental Tire, proud partner with the Freaks.
0: Sir Jeremy, you are a true friend of the crown. Dilly dilly. Dilly dilly. Madam Susan, you are an even truer friend of the crown. Dilly dilly. Dilly dilly.
1: What is that? This is a spiced honey mead wine that I have really been into lately.
0: Please follow Sir Brad. He's going to give you a private tour of the pit of misery. I'm sorry, what? Pit of misery. Dilly dilly. Dilly
5: dilly. Here's to the friends
1: you can always count on.
6: You're listening
1: to Speed Freaks. Motorsports Radio, redefined.
0: Once upon a time you dressed so fine, do the bumps of dime in your prime,
1: then you...
2: At Speed Freaks on Twitter, Facebook, call, say, the website. You yeah, leave that underneath you me, for me for a little bit website speedfreaks.tv your phone number freak nation 800-878-7529-878-7529-800-878 play ricky taylor coming up your mid-ohio sports car winner His song is fairly apropos with
3: i was just thinking that how do you? How does it feel? Yeah. Uh, hmm. Are we talking about <laughs> Herschel's body,
2: <laughs> or are we talking about
3: him just behind the wheel again?
2: Yeah. Couple of things. Herschel McGriff, 90 years old, who's been running in NASCAR-sanctioned events since the early 50s. Ran a race this past weekend in Tucson at 90 years old. 90 years old, and says, you know what? Let me back out that trombone out of the back of my <laughs> Ford Fairlane and play the National Anthem. He did. He played the National Freaking Anthem.
3: And his son raced at the track that night, a different race, as did his granddaughter. Again, different race. But the whole family was involved.
2: Now, Statman, you being a a Southern California hound Careful. that you are.
4: Yeah, right. Careful how you bring that next <laughs> sentence out of there. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Yeah, give the number of horns that you've blown in your tour on your tour oh, in this okay. room. I've, I've blown one or two.
3: Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. I'm going to save that audio.
3: I was going to say that's a, that's a keeper right there. I've blown one or two. Oh, what are we talking about? Now, not trombones.
2: Herschel, Herschel. Okay, thank you, Crash. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day to you too. Now, Herschel McGriff, uh, 90 years old. I think the 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 backstory to this is who he drove for, and if you're not familiar with. Bill McAnally, Bill McAnally Racing. He is. Would you say he's like Hendrick Motorsports of the of the West Coast when it comes to the K and N West Series, some of the feeder series, stat man?
4: Well, I think he's more of a feeder type guy than he is Hendrick. He's not racing with the fastest guys, but he's he's a, a satellite team, and everybody who comes through his program, the other teams recognize that they are ready to race. And generally, when they come out of the program, uh, they they are successful. It's like in drag racing. There's a guy who runs a a top alcohol dragster team and all the the people from Brittany forced to, uh, you know, a lot of people come through his program when they get finished. They're ready to race in the majors.
3: Yeah, we're talking about what David Gilliland, Todd Gilliland. Brendan gone, and I know I'm missing a slew of others, but yeah, a lot of names have come out of his his operation,
4: yeah, including that, that woman who went to Stanford, whose name escapes me at the moment, but she hasn't gotten much of a chance to race, but she's a woman, and it's not going to happen about, easy for her in NASCAR.
3: Is that Leilani Munter?
4: Yeah, no, not Leilani Muter, but uh, ah. it starts with an L. When you said when you started L, I said yeah, that's it, but no, it's not Leilani Muter, but that's not important. It's he, he is a satellite program, an excellent program, backed by NAPA uh, to bring people, just like he's doing, to bring people and have them ready when they get uh, ready to step on to, the, to grab the brass ring on the merry-go-round.
2: So for NASCAR-sanctioned events, basically, and I'm not too far off with this, All you have to do is pass a physical Mm -hmm. to run in these series. No, you're not off
3: at all on that. That is the loan. Well, you have to have a license first, a, a NASCAR license. And then secondly, you have to pass a physical. That's it.
2: Now, is there a certain age? I'm sure it's state to state. But when you maybe get up into your 70s or your 80s, don't you have to take a uh, some sort of a, a test for your driver's license, maybe every... What are you laughing at, Crash? I mean... This,
3: no, I know. I didn't even think about that. You're right. I believe there is some sort of... Uh, you're right, state to state. Yeah, Not I, every state requires it, but I think that there are many states that do require some of the more elderly to take yeah. visual tests and mental tests. and.
2: I, re- I remember my driver's ed teacher back in high school saying, he said, Kitty, when you turn a certain age, he said, the the state should make everyone retake their test about every two or three years if that long because of some of the things that he's seen through and then he went back to pounding his beer as, as he was driving I'm joking no I'm joking so but I mean it's, it's not like Herschel McGriff is you know running backwards down the track or turning right when he should be turning left the entire time but still stat man you you just think 90 years old it's you know, my my dad was 89 when he passed and I mean, he stopped driving two or three years prior to, I mean, just driving a freaking car, much less driving with 25, 30 other cars out there on a freaking half-mile track. Fast. Yeah, it's, <laughs> doesn't logic just say, sorry, dude, maybe just wave the flag? Without
4: question, uh, the bigger issue, uh, let's say, and let's say we got three issues here. the The first one is that he's 90. He's not going to be competitive. He's running in the top 20, uh, if that. And that just comes from he was able to win those races at one time, and now he could just run out there and and do laps. Now, is that more important uh, for the box office and for the marketing and for all the other things that NASCAR needs right now than to have a new driver come in and have a chance and get successful and run and him finishing in the top 20 when he's got a future versus a 90-year-old running in the top 20, which is just, it's not even a headline anymore. Uh, and you're, you're driving away the young people that you want to buy tickets to come in. They don't want to see their grandfather or their great-grandfather racing. Then to, to them, that's silly. They want to see racing and the
2: best people doing it and not a guy taking up a seat. We will see. I think it was, we saw earlier this year where Chris Karamasinas, the golden Greek Karamasinas, 80 years old, driving a top fuel dragster. Don Garlitz did the same. And I I don't know if that's apples to oranges, but I think there are some similar. No, there are definitely some similarities there to what Statman was talking about, about taking seats of younger drivers or, uh, you're not appealing to what the series really wants, and that's younger eyeballs watching their series. There's a, that, Hold on, that guy's old enough to be my great-grandfather. <laughs> yeah, he's like my grandfather cheered for him. What? Am,
4: why am I going to cheer for him? It's like a lot of kids stay away from Facebook now because their parents are using it and their grandparents are using it. So uh, that's, that's one issue. Now let's assume that he could pass the physical and that he could be uh, a, not a danger on the racetrack. I don't know that that's the case, but let's assume that he can. Uh, but if, as long as things are going along swimmingly and everybody's, you know, making a, a lapse and, and just putting in a laps, what about the time that is required for his reactions mm-hmm. to uh, avoid an accident? to uh, avoid somebody else who's having a problem and not piling into a, a, a track. Herschel McGriff was one of the best stock car drivers in America at one time, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago. But now, why can't that legend go to the sidelines, get a trombone and play the national anthem? And then go back and sit down, run a team, mentor, coach, do whatever's necessary. But I don't think the racetrack is a place where a 90-year-old mind, 90-year-old reflexes, uh, 90-year-old drivers need to be. And, And especially when he's taking a seat from somebody who's got a future. His
2: first race was 1950.
4: That's something that's going to be very – there's probably people that are tweeting now (laughs) that I'm an idiot, I don't know what I'm talking about, and Herschel McGriff is a good guy. Herschel McGriff is a good guy. He was at one time an excellent driver. He's probably a good driver now as long as everything's going along fine. I don't know what he's going to be when it's required of him to avoid.
3: Yeah, you brought up reflexes. I mean, fires are rare in stock cars, but they're not unheard of. So, yeah, how is he going to be able to get out of his seatbelts in time to avoid getting burned if that were to happen? Or just any sort of a, a crash? How is he going to get out and basically watch his body? It, yeah, it's it's not just the other drivers to be affected, but damn, his own self. But I guess he's not thinking about that. Or, or maybe he is, and he just doesn't care.
2: Statman, we've got Alex and Suave here, and I'm curious their take on this. I'll ask uh, Suave your opinion on this. Here's a 90-year-old dude running a it's, – it's, you know, it's not, the, it's not the Cup Series, but still it's a competitive NASCAR West Series. When you hear 90 years old – Suave driving a race car. What's the first thing that comes to your mind?
7: You said that he raced for the first time in 1950. My parents (laughs) weren't even born
4: in 1950 when he first started driving a race car. Now, as someone who lives, I live in, uh, in Surprise, Arizona, which is a senior community, Okay, so I have to drive with these people all the time. And I will tell you that it is the most annoying thing in the world. They drive slow. They can't see. Kiss my butt! So you have to imagine that it's going to get worse when you're
8: actually driving at 130 miles per hour around an oval. Dude probably shouldn't be driving.
4: Now, I'll I'll, I'll take this... Wait a minute. I'll take this defense for him that he's not the normal person who is going to be leaning over and you can't see their head above the steering wheel. <laughs> That's not Herschel McGriff. Herschel McGriff. Beef. Yeah, Herschel was one of the best drivers in America and even if he fell from that place, he's not going to fall to the place where the, you know, the people are in a senior community. The point is that if he's racing against people that have these, uh, reflexes and what's necessary to be a good driver. He doesn't have those anymore. He can't, the body can't have those reflexes. And just because he get past the physical doesn't mean he's physically able to pass a car on the racetrack.
3: Okay. Serious question here though. Why is it not okay for Herschel McGriff at 90 to come back into a stock car race. Yet when Chris Karamasinas or Don Garlitz did it in drag racing in their upper years, it was kind of cool I, because uh, no, I, they've I, got I, just I, as many risks.
4: Yeah, no, I agree with you wholeheartedly. They got more risks more because risk, yeah. they have to react that much faster than her uh, stock car driver does. Uh, but I'm not, I'm, I'm not in favor of, Uh, Just because you can do it doesn't mean you should be able to. As long as everything's going fine, I mean, maybe I could drive a top fuel car as long as I can keep the thing pointed right. But the the issue to driving is what you do when things are not going fine to keep the car off the wall or out of the guy in the next lane. And that's what is not guaranteed uh, to everybody who's – in an advanced age, trying to compete in a, a, a series uh, where or a competition where you need uh, ultimate reflexes.
2: All right, before we go to break, here, here are some other highlights of Herschel McGriff. We're talking about Herschel McGriff, who ran in Tucson this past weekend, 90 years old for Bill McAnally Racing, born 1925. McGriff first raced on September 6, 1945, right after racing resumed in the United States after World War II. He was the winner of the first Carrera Panamericana in 1950, where he met Bill France Sr., by the way. Uh, Bill France Sr. Conv- convinced McGriff to come on over to NASCAR, which, by the way, McGriff is part of the West Coast Hall of Fame, Was uh, spent most of his time in Oregon. Uh, France convinced McGriff to race full-time in NASCAR, had four wins, that year in 1954 in the Grand National Series, McGriff had two options to choose from in the 19, uh, 1955 series season. I'm sorry, he was offered a ride in NASCAR to race for a millionaire Carl Kaikheifer. Whoa, pardon my ignorance. Do I should I know who that is? I don't. Do you know who that is, Statman? No. Okay. I don't know that name. I, I thought I'd drop it out there because no one would know who he is. So he became the oldest listen he became the oldest driver to win a NASCAR feature race when he won the Autozone West Series race in 1989 at 61
3: <laughs> oh. <laughs> which by the way he was born in 27 not 20 not 1925 all right Th- thank you well if he's 90 come on
2: there's little Linda again
3: I'm just saying somebody's gonna call you out on it on Twitter
2: that's great that's fantastic so it when you have a dude like that at 90 freaking years old, Suave's parents weren't even born. You look at this, the, the, the age difference in, in everything from reaction to promotion. I mean, this is getting, this race is getting more run than it would 400-fold because he's in okay, this race.
3: Okay, so hold on a second then. Like, Like we were talking about, in his older years, it doesn't appeal to the younger demographic that NASCAR so desperately needs. However, we are talking about it, yeah. so it is yeah. still somewhat of positive promotion. <laughs> somewhat.
4: Yeah, but, it also, but it also says that that the way we're talking about it and what we're saying about it and what others are saying about it. If a 90-year-old g- guy could do this, why do I care? Why am I going to pay attention to this? Because you know everybody could. There are events at Irwindale Speedway where the people on the 605 freeway next door are driving faster than the cars on the track. But you know that there's competition going on, and the issue is whether or not he could be competitive. And just running out there and finishing last or finishing in the last 25% of the field is not competitive compared to what Herschel used to be. I mean, Morgan Shepard did the same thing in the Cup Series uh, and in the uh, used to be the Bush and in the Infinity Series Xfinity Series. He would just go out and you know basically be a starting park, fill the field and run until the first uh, pit stop and didn't stop. I mean, what does that prove just because he can? That proves nothing.
2: Alex, you got a question? Doesn't
1: Herschel McGriff, doesn't that name sound like the park ranger for the Yogi Bear show? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Something like that. Oh, my. Wow. It's, it doesn't sound like it's from the West Coast, does it? Uh-uh. No. Herschel.
3: <laughs> but it's a 1920s name.
9: <laughs>
4: oh, oh, man. That's the line of the night.
2: Right. Oh, man. What's your name, son? Herschel? Her Herschel. <laughs> uh, something happened in, speaking of, uh, can you make any correlation other than something happened in Indianapolis that has absolutely nothing to do with the 500, but really it does. We explain next. Fox, oops, yep. Lucas Hole Studios.
8: Good evening, my fellow Tennessees.
1: To provide guidance to mankind. <laughs>
4: you are used to talking about races involving 600, 700, 1,000, even 10,000 horsepower. But Saturday, I saw a one horsepower race that would justify your attention to it. Justify won the 144th Kentucky Derby with strength that reminded me of the film Biscuit. Justify isn't a small horse like the Biscuit, but coming into the home stretch, jockey Mike Smith just showed the chestnut colt the whip and Justify responded. You could see the replays. He looked at the whip and found another gear to win the race going away. Now, I don't know much about horse racing, but I'm enough of a sports fan to watch the Derby on the first Saturday in May. Justify found another gear to win by more than two lengths. Will he win the Preakness in two weeks? Who knows? That's a different field, different track, and different day. But he won Saturday, showing power and racecraft on a muddy track. He won from the front, pulling away at the end. The biscuit would have been proud. Peace.
2: Now, Jim Irsay, the owner of the Colts, he could be seen at the Indianapolis 500.
3: Oh, yeah. Always in the Foyt suite because his daughter married A.J. Foyt IV.
2: This came across, was this uh, yesterday, I think it was? Alcoholics Anonymous founding document sells for $2.4 million. Okay, first of all, I I didn't even, who out there knew that this was out there? part of something. Yeah,
3: founding document. Well, I yeah. guess any big company does have some sort of literature on it's, how it began.
2: It's no, and I'm not making fun of it by any stretch, no. okay? Uh, it's known as the big book. It, again, sold at auction yesterday afternoon, $2.4 million to wow. Indianapolis Colts owner Jim Irsay. Statman, given your History on this planet. Did you have any idea there was something known as the founding documents of Alcoholics Anonymous called the big book?
4: No, but the next question is, do I care? I mean, I'm like crash. I mean, obviously they do have founding papers, but if even if I had the money, I don't know that I would pay for it.
3: Which actually is kind of the heart of this story, because I got to admit, when I first saw this headline, I laughed out loud because, oh, how funny. It's Jim Irsay, the guy, the pill popper, the guy that was NAA himself. Well, hold on a second. <laughs> I should have pumped the brakes and read why he bought it. Apparently, this document was very powerful for him. He, he's he been a part of Alcoholics Anonymous for 25 years, and he's now going to build something at the, uh, gosh, I guess the foundation or the some sort of headquarters in New York. He's going to build something where people can be inspired by the words of this document because he says it's that powerful and that helpful. So then I'm like, okay, shame on me for laughing. This is a cool story.
2: So there you go, Freak Nation. The type of knowledge that you gain from us every Sunday night is incredible. (laughs) Many folks have their big book, uh, Doug Ursay as opposed to Jim Ursay. (laughs) Has his big book for $2.4 million. Bonkers. Uh, Ricky Taylor is his name. He, along with Elio Castro Neves today, did something they haven't done together in sports cars. That's next. Speed Freaks Pits, the Lucas Oil Studios.
0: Speed Freaks, Motorsports Radio, redefined.
2: The Extreme Contact Sport is Continental Tire's newest ultra-high-performance tire. Tested to the limits by championship-winning race car drivers, the Extreme Contact Sport satisfies the most demanding driver. This dynamic street tire was built for car enthusiasts and engineered for extreme grip in dry and wet conditions. Whether it's a Sunday drive on the open road or you need to get to and from work, this tire is for what you do. For more information, visit ContinentalTire.com. That's ContinentalTire.com. Continental Tire, proud partner with the Freaks the Boca Raton Cougars, the Las Vegas Hookers, and the Arizona Pricks. Got your attention now, don't I? These aren't real sports teams, but they are some of the most creative and funny sports logo T-shirts from Awesome Sports Logos. Each team has a history, a meaning behind it, like the Lexington Studs or the Cape Cod Scrod. And these T-shirts, they are awesome. Made with the highest quality, 100% cotton available and are ridiculously soft. Grab your favorite city's T-shirt now at AwesomeSportsLogos.com. That's AwesomeSportsLogos.com and get awesome. You're back with Speed Freaks on a Sunday night at Speed Freaks on Twitter, Facebook. The website, of course, is speedfreaks.tv. Crash Gladys, Statman, Kenny Sargent. Thank you guys for hanging out in the Lucas Oil Studios. Always good to get a Taylor in here. Of course, we're talking about Ricky Taylor joining us here in the Freak Nation running for Roger C. Penske, running with Elio Kestroneves this afternoon in Mid Ohio. And I'll say this to what I say to a lot of drivers that they're looking for that big win and some results for 2018. and. Damn it, Ricky. Congratulations on this. But more importantly, what the hell took you so damn long to get this win?
7: <laughs> we were trying. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, we uh, every race this year, it was like the pressure was just building and building. We hadn't had a, had a result yet. Plenty of speed, but no results. So uh, you're right. It's about time. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but that's so true, though. With, with Roger Penske and this is still relatively a new ride for you, and the combination of you and Elio Neves, there's got to be a lot of things going on, not just inside that car, but within the shop of really trying to find the correct combination to where you do sit up at the top of the podium. What the hell was it You fi- where yeah, you had I mean, to figure it out?
7: When, when you go to Team Penske, it's like it's, you, you have to win races. It's, there's nothing, there's no other option, and they expect to win. And uh, so when we weren't winning, it was like uh, we just got to put, we got to put the whole thing together, and there's just always some little Little thing goes wrong, or uh, you know, we just—it wasn't all adding up—and and so today it was just we had super fast cars all weekend and uh, during the race nobody put a, a foot wrong, and um, you know all the guys—the call at the in the second stop was was critical, and so I think I think everybody breathed a pretty big sigh of relief uh, after that one today.
3: Ricky, you mentioned at one point that you felt a lot of pressure to keep the lead going when you got the car halfway through the race. What do you mean exactly by that? Because you're a damn talented driver. The team is freaking good. You guys dominated all weekend. Where exactly was that pressure?
7: Yeah, no, it was pressure. Elio Elio had his hands full in that first spin. And, uh, you know, just watching him, you know, the two Mazdas were really strong today and um, I, was, I was sitting on the timing stand thinking, oh, man, <laughs> this, this looks tough. And the GT traffic was, was a handful today. I mean, with all those cars on track, it was one of the, the densest races as far as car count uh, for the track length. So it was just really busy and lots of stuff could go wrong. So I was just sitting up there thinking, trying to picture myself out there, and then didn't want didn't to you know, lose it for the guys. And, and then I get in the car I mean, gives it to me in the lead, and there's three corners, I'm back to fourth. <laughs> so I was, I was thinking it was all over, but um, then they made great calls and, and got us back up front, so it, was, it all worked out well.
3: <laughs> yeah, way to go there, right?
7: <laughs> that's how I felt. <laughs> Jeez.
3: So in the middle, okay, so you're back and forth in the middle of this race. Are you kind of MFing yourself in your helmet?
7: Yeah, I mean, I, I got out of the pits and I was I I think we were the only ones of that group to do a driver change and I was I was probably way too conservative on the cold tires and uh, once Dane got got around me into, into turn two and then I, I couldn't defend the Mazdas very well and so they they got by and I was just and I was I was so frustrated at that point and then eventually got got around one of them and and then the team did the rest and uh, once we, once we got back out front again I was confident. Uh, that we had the speed to, to hold them off. Um, but again, the traffic, you just never know what you're going to catch. and That that was always the question mark, and you never really knew exactly what could happen.
4: Ricky Taylor, winner today at Mid-Ohio IMSA Sports Car Challenge, first win of the season for the new Acura program. Acuras were one and two. Ricky, you're used to winning, winning championships. Is this first win under the Penske banner, does that feel any different than those under the Taylor flag?
7: Uh, it, it absolutely does. Um, I mean, when I first you know came on board with, with Team Penske and, and Acura and every, everything that's behind it, it's just there's so much history involved. And, and winning with my dad was, was something that we'll never replicate again either. Um, and that was special in, in itself, winning with Jordan and my dad. Um, but then to, to get an opportunity, and you look at the list of names that, that have won for uh, Roger Penske, and to, to do it with Elio was uh, was definitely I was you know I got I got goosebumps on the podium just thinking about you know the history and and they told me on the radio um, that I'm the 50th different driver to win for Roger so um, that was a that was a pretty uh, pretty cool thing to hear um, and so, so it, it's been it's been a really special experience so far and, and really excited to go back to the shop um, tomorrow. Uh, to make a seat or making a seat and the, they have a tradition where all the guys have a beer have a little little party in the shop with the cup team, the indie team and the sports car team after a win. So uh, I'm looking forward to to being a part of that.
3: I'd say my goodness. Okay, so back at the shop we're talking North Carolina and this little party that you guys are going to have tomorrow. I mean, it's a pretty serious month for Elio, though, as he's getting ready now for the Indy 500. So I don't think that guy can be drinking any beer or champagne,
7: but you oh, can. Oh man, we, we were just talking, like we were just talking about it, like the how much momentum he's got going into the end of the month, and it's like now he can, you can put the sports car stuff behind him. We we got a, a good win, everything's going well, and now he can just focus 100% on on getting that fourth ring. And he's he is so focused. I mean, that's all he talks about. <laughs> we're sitting here talking about how we could win Sebring and Long Beach and Smith Ohio, and <laughs> every day it's just fourth ring, fourth ring. So, um, so we're all really excited that uh, that we got this month started off right, uh, especially for him, and to be a part of it. Um, in the month of May um, wow. It's going to be is going to be a blast. So, can't wait to can't wait to watch him.
3: Are you going to be at the Indy 500 mm-hmm. to cheer him on?
7: Yes, of course. Um, it'll be my first time seeing the Indy 500, so it'll be my first time in the Indy 500 cheering him on. So I can't wait to uh, can't wait to see him, and hopefully he's going to be making history. Can't wait.
4: Ricky Thielo, you were faster than your brother Jordan today. Has there been enough time now that you consider him just another competitor on the track?
7: Yeah, I mean, he'll never just be another competitor. <laughs> Unfortunately, he's uh, you know he came to congratulate me. In the, the podium area right after we won, he was probably the second or third person I saw. Um, they didn't seem like they had a great day today, just kind of struggled for pace a little bit. But um, they beat us in Long Beach. We had a great battle there. Um, so, I mean, it was re- really nice to get the win. And, and I know that when they when they win one later this year, it's, it's going to be the same same back at them.
4: Ricky Taylor, are you jealous that Rodney Sandstorm cheers for your brother Jordan and not for you?
7: Rodney, I mean, you know, he's he's loyal to, uh, to only a few drivers. And hopefully one day I'll, I'll get his – right now I'm, I'm not feeling it.
2: Rodney Sandstorm, Jordan Taylor's alter ego. That's a strange human being right there, man. Ricky Taylor, Jordan of the Freaks, a winner for the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship race today in mid-Ohio, driving for Roger Penske. You visited the Acura factory for the NSX earlier this week, and you talked about some of the, the – the okay. subtleties or some of the things you saw that go on or go into this car, what was something that really kicked your ass that you went, holy smokes, that goes into my race car, or, that goes into an Acura?
7: Yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean, uh, we went to the factory, and it's right next door to the Honda factory um, that that puts out all the, the CRVs and the Accords and all the, the road cars. <laughs> and then the factory we, we visited was the NSX factory that built all the NSXs worldwide. Um, as well as the GT3 car. And to see, um, you know, where they're making 1,800 cars a day at the big factory, they're making 30 cars a month at the NSX factory. So, like, so much time and effort goes into everything. And the amazing thing is that those NSXs, when somebody buys one, no dust or dirt ever touches the car until someone shakes it outside off a lot. Oh,
2: so that's what you said. It's, it, never, it doesn't go outside until it goes outside to be sold.
7: Yeah, even when it leaves the, the factory, it's on a covered truck and, and all kinds of stuff. So it's, they're pretty special cars. And to see the, the pride that goes into them and
10: the heritage
7: of, of the Honda actor brand, Honda brand is, is pretty neat.
2: Well, Freak Nation, it's always solid when we get Ricky Taylor joining us here in the Freak Nation, winner for the Mid-Ohio Race WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, running on those Continental tires. Taylor, let's let's don't make this your last visit here for 2018. Let's get you back in here, all right? Yes, please. Thank you. And I hope you're following us on Twitter because we have that snappy autographed lid by Ricky Taylor and his co-driver, Elio Castro Neves. You follow us on Twitter. We'll put something out when we go to break on how you can win that snappy little hat crasher. Based on the interview? Mm. I don't know. I don't know. know. Maybe just some basic knowledge of sports car racing. Mm. Right? How about that? Roll that out there. Like how old is Herschel McGriff? (laughs) And that would be NASCAR. (laughs) Let's see. Is yeah, is Herschel McGriff a great great grandpappy to somebody? <laughs>
4: is he old enough to buy an Acura? Yeah, there you go. <laughs>
2: yeah. Or, or would Acura sell a car to a ninety year
4: old? Yeah, yeah. Would they sell, would they bother dusting off an NSS for Herschel?
2: <laughs> oh man. There you go. Uh, you missed it on the show, Freak Nation. You go to the website, speedfreaks.tv. Hey, Jimmy Johnson said this prior to the race this weekend in Dover. He said, uh, you know what? We're just a product of our own success, meaning we are okay. Uh, With our own success comes a whole heck of a lot of misery. And as the exact quote from him in regards to in relationship to that was, I think I'm doomed regardless right now. What do you by that? Crasher brought it up in her pit news and notes where June of last year was the last time Jimmy Johnson won, right? June? Was it?
3: It's been 34 races now.
2: Okay. I'm just reading this at motorsports.com. Got it. And I believe, yeah, yeah, yep, yep June of last year. He's, uh, Jimmy Johnson said this. He said, I mean, it doesn't matter the track or the result unless it's a win and lots of win wins. I think we've created an environment of very high expectations because of the success we've had, and I think people forget how special our run has been. We certainly want to get back into those winning ways, but history shows it doesn't happen very often, and we're very fortunate to harness lightning for a long stretch of time. Stat, Crash, how much of this and Jimmy Johnson and crew chasing, chasing their first win in almost a year has to do with the lack of sponsorship for next year. You think that plays a bit part in this Statman, Crasher? M-
3: Minuscule. I would say by the end of the year, it would play a bigger part because you're really gripping to find money to keep yourself going in the sport that you love. But I, I would say not much now. I mean, I could be completely off base, but I think there's just something chemistry-wise that isn't working with, with the team, with the car. It's just it's very atypical for them.
2: But Statman, it's, it's Hendrick Racing, where... Anything less than a top three or a a win every now and then? And it hasn't even been a now and then. I'm just trying to put my finger on it.
4: I think the bigger issue is I remember reading a stat, but I don't remember where. But after 35, the number of wins for a cup driver dropped precipitously. Uh, It's not like they don't win after 35, but after 35, they drop precipitously. And I would imagine that after 40, it makes another precipitous drop. So I would think that no matter how hard he's trying, and you got one of the most successful drivers in history, one of the most successful crew chiefs in history, one of the most resourced teams in NASCAR history, and he can barely get into the top five. I think some of that is from the driver's seat and not from the the surroundings, the resources
2: that surround him. It seemed each time a reporter, a fan, Twitter brought that up to Jimmy Johnson, that he seemed to be more defensive than he has in years past. And he
4: should be. I'm, I'm, a, yeah. I'm one of the biggest... Certainly in this community here on this radio show, I'm the biggest fan Jimmy Johnson has. Mm -hmm. I'm a huge fan. But I also recognize that, just like they say in stick and ball sports, Father Time is undefeated. And sometimes races will end when he's in first place, but he doesn't always win those races once you get of a certain age in the Cup Series where the drivers are the ultimate in competition. So I think that he needs to think seriously about stopping. I, don't, I would hate to see him stick around and back up and have the, the legacy of Jimmy Johnson seven time be diminished because he stuck around too long.
3: Well, we still respect Michael Jordan. We still respect Brett Favre.
4: Of Mike, even though, yeah, Brett Favre, uh, yeah, yeah, you're right, Crash. I, I never thought about that. Michael Jordan played too long. Brett Favre stuck around too long, uh, and we still respect them. But uh, I don't want to see that happen to Jimmy Johnson. Just like I told, and I told him to his face, kind of I didn't expect to, but I told Kenny Bernstein, well, yeah, you need to stop. <laughs> oh, right. And uh, the same with Rick Mears. I told Rick that it was – I was happy that he stayed away when he left, uh, because I want to remember their brilliance and not them uh, sticking around chasing championships. And, and if they want to, if they want to race, fine. They're, that's good for them, uh, as long as they're not a, je- a jeopardy to everybody else. Uh, but I, I, just for me as a fan, I would like to see their legacy intact.
2: I just think there's there's so many things going on inside that camp of Hendrick that I'm just trying to pinpoint a few of them. And I don't think any of us would be surprised if going into the 2019 season, let's say the last quarter of the 2018 season, there's not significant sponsorship dollars coming in for Jimmy Johnson. It's going to be a piecemeal sponsorship for the team. Jimmy Johnson doesn't finish in the top 10, maybe doesn't make the playoffs. Then maybe Statman... Is a little, excuse me, ahead of himself, or not, maybe Statman is a little ahead of us. And Jimmy Johnson says, you know, I don't want to do it in 2019 with a half ass Hendrick.
10: No,
3: no, no, I don't see that. No, no. No,
2: I could see that very easily. Really?
4: He's a, a brilliant driver, he's got excellent legacy, and I think he doesn't want to see that scarred either.
2: Second hour of the Freaks, coming up, and follow us on Twitter for your chance at that snappy Elio Castro Navas, Ricky Taylor autographed hat from our friends at Continental Tire.
0: Speed Freaks, Motorsports Radio, redefined.
9: Want to fly somewhere? Looking for cheap flights or cheap tickets? Then call. Eight five five three two five one seven eight zero. That's eight five five three two five seventeen eighty.
0: Live on the Freak Radio Network, broadcasting from the Lucas Oil Studios. Driven by General Tire, it's Speed Freaks, Speed Freaks. Speed Freaks. Motorsports Radio, redefined. With Kenny Sargent,
1: Beijing Dr. Douchebag,
0: Crash Gladys,
1: getting crash position, and
0: Statman.
5: Don't overdrive the car. Here's the
0: Freaks. freak, turning up freak.
2: our Speed Freaks from the Lucas Oil Studios. Thank you guys for hanging out. Statman, Crash Gladys, Kenny Sargent. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, website, speedfreaks.tv. Coming up this hour, Leah Pritchett, NHRA Top Fuel winner, will be joining us here in the Freak Nation. And again, at Kenny and Crash, excuse me, at Speed Freaks on Twitter and on Facebook. Statman had a few strong comments last hour that uh, if you really want to see how he feels about a 90-year-old running a stock car.
3: <laughs> well, it's reality. I know
2: it. We'll get into it again. Herschel McGriff. And how many times do I want to say Herschel? Walker. But Her- Herschel McGriff, 90 years old, running in Tucson Saturday night. That's 90 years old where at one time he was the oldest guy running in NASCAR at 61.
3: And huh? that was 1989.
2: Come on. And he did it again. Well, Saturday night, last night, man, uh, running for Bill McAnally Motorsports. Kevin Harvick gets himself a win, wins all the stages, and, of course, a big race, a uh, big race win. This is after a short weather delay. Bam, goes out there and wins the race by seven days. In fact, he <laughs> finished before the race was even started. <laughs> you know, before it even started. <laughs> And hell, he was already back at home watching himself win the race. He was so far ahead. <laughs>
4: Pretty much. Right?
2: He Was fast enough to dodge the raindrops. You know, he didn't even get wet. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Kevin Harvick just a runaway freaking victory. This hour brought to my good friends at ISM Raceway, ISMRaceway.com. The Can-Am 500 coming up later this year, November, November 9th, 10th, and 11th. The last, second the last race before Homestead, man. Always drama happening in Phoenix. You go to ISM Raceway, ISM Raceway for the drama on the track at ISM Raceway, ISM Raceway, ISMRaceway.com. Now, the last time I got in a fight, it was probably, well, a little alcohol was involved and I was in my 20s. It certainly didn't happen before noon, but evidently there's a fight in NASCAR that happened before 11 a.m. The police were called to the NASCAR garage in Dover this past oh, weekend, whoa. Friday morning, uh, after a little fisticuff went down. Lawrence Hayden, 33 years old, a former crew member of JP Motorsports, was taken into custody, fo- custody following a fight with co-owner of JP Motorsports. The co-owner is in his 50s. Lawrence oh. Hayden is in his Early thirties and breaks the jaw of the owner, Crasher.
3: Oh, wait a minute. What was this over?
2: Not sure. I've yet to read specifically what it was over. But Statman, You've when you're gonna get in a broken jaw? Well, you're gonna get in a fight. Don't you get in fights like afternoons or evenings? Why in the hell are you punching somebody in the jaw at eleven o'clock in the morning?
4: Well that depends on what triggered the fight. You know, I mean you can't invite these some of these guys anywhere, you know, without a problem. But if you if the guy walks up and says, "Hey, where's my money?", and the guy says, "Well, I, you'll have to we'll talk about it later," and he wakes up with a crowd standing over him, you know, I mean, you can't you can't you can't tell what triggered the thing. I doubt the guy just walked up and decked him. There had to be he said something or did something, and that could happen at eight o'clock in the morning or eight o'clock at night, whether or not alcohol is involved at all.
3: So you break somebody's jaw. But then you're released on just five hundred dollars bond.
4: Yeah, further indication that probably was something triggered it, you know. I mean it he uh said something or did something, or maybe he saw him climbing out of his wife's bedroom window the night before. I mean, who the heck knows?
3: <laughs> oh, okay. That justifies breaking a jaw. Well it actually told. it does.
2: So just that that's the one that caught my eye was why are you punching somebody in the face that damn early in the morning? You're right, Crusher. Maybe, maybe he just didn't have his damn caffeine, right? right? Yeah. Jeez, Palomino. And again, it's it, it's it's not it wasn't the Cup Series, it's the Xfinity Series that uh, Lawrence decided to go in there and start busting some ass, man. That's just <laughs> when you look at uh, every story that I've seen, I've seen no reason given why he decided to bust him up. But no, man. Let's go in there. You're right. If there's money involved, usually it's a fist to the jaw.
4: No, I'm looking maybe it, no? may, maybe he knew a guy named Herschel that took a job from him, and he wasn't having it anymore.
2: Now we're talking. Qu- court documents say that the two men got into an argument as Hayden was quitting the pit crew team.
4: Yeah. Yeah, probably hey. had 2 weeks severance he was due and wasn't getting it.
2: Suffered a broken jaw as a result of repeated punches to the face. Yeah. Yep.
0: Speed Freaks, we promise to suck less. Speed Freaks, Motorsports Radio, redefined the Freaks.
2: Welcoming in another round of affiliates to Speed Freaks. How you doing, man? Crash Gladys, Kenny Sargent, Speed Freaks on a Sunday night. Statman, he's here, your Statman scat. Coming up at Speed Freaks on Twitter. Speedfreaks.tv, of course, on that snappy little thing you call a computer, the one that I want to throw out the window right now. Coming up this hour, Leah Pritchett will be here in the Freak Nation. NHRA top fuel winner. She'll be here. Did something today. She hadn't done all year. Get to the finals and freaking win. Crash Gladys, Pit News & Notes brought to my our good friends at Continental Tire. Do it. You go to ContinentalTire.com to get your... Latest on where the hell to get your Continental tires, Crasher? Righteous rubber for your righteous ride. Bam.
3: Supercross, believe it or not, Dunzo. Bam. What? El Hombre is your Supercross champion. Yep, that's Jason Anderson. He got himself a fifth place finish in Las Vegas last night, and it was enough to solidify his first Big Boy Supercross title. Eli Tomac with the win in the 250s. Adam Ciancarulo took took the East-West shootout, the West title to Zach Osborne. Team Penske took the overall win in sports cars, and IMSA, they went 1-2 with their talented group of drivers. Ricky Taylor, we just had him on last hour, and Elio Castroneves were the team's first win of a year. And it was not a shabby way for Elio to kick off his month of May. He's now all focused on history and his fourth Indy 500 win at the end of this month. And speaking of the Indy 500, bad news for Pietro Fittipaldi. He broke both of his legs in a WEC crash at Spa this week obviously forcing him out of any attempt at the 500 the latest update from uncle max pappas on twitter he's in good conditions and good spirit left leg fractures right ankle fracture surgery both completed well scans look good four to seven days recovery back to the usa for rehab in about well like i said four to seven days speaking of spa how about fernando alonso he took the win in his debut race for wec yeah with his teammates Kazuki Nagajima, and Sebastian Buemi. Alonzo, nice work. NASCAR, of course, racing in Dover. Johnny Sauter, the winner in trucks. Justin Allgaier, winning Xfinity. And Kevin Harvick, dominating Monster Energy Cup. Jimmy Johnson, it's now been 34 races since he has had a win. That's basically a year. NHRA, raced in Atlanta. Leah Pritchett, your winner in top fuel. She'll be joining us in three minutes. Courtney Force in Funny Car. Good job, ladies. Vincent Nobile in Pro Stock. Eddie Kraywick in Motorcycles.
0: Speed Freaks. Motorsports Radio
2: Redefined. The Extreme Contact Sport is Continental Tire's newest ultra-high-performance tire. Tested to the limits by championship-winning race car drivers, the Extreme Contact Sport satisfies the most demanding driver. This dynamic street tire was built for car enthusiasts and engineered for extreme grip in dry and wet conditions. Whether it's a Sunday drive on the open road or you need to get to and from work, this tire is for what you do. For more information, visit ContinentalTire.com. That's ContinentalTire.com. Continental Tire, proud partner with the Freaks.
0: sir jeremy you are a true friend of the crown dilly dilly, dilly, dilly. madam susan you are an even truer friend of the crown dilly dilly dilly, dilly.
1: what is that this is a spiced honeymead wine that i have really been into lately
0: please follow sir brad he's going to give you a private tour of the pit of misery i'm sorry what pit of misery dilly dilly, dilly, dilly.
5: here's to the friends you can always count
1: on You're listening to Speed Freaks. Motorsports Radio, redefined.
6: Yeah, bringing you another disturbing creation from the mind of one sick and who can't tell the difference. and gets stupefied.
2: Of course, you follow us on Twitter, Freak Nation, at Speed Freaks. We're there for you on Facebook, the website, speedfreaks.tv. Southern Nationals ripped up, ripped up, yep. Southern Nationals wrapped up in Atlanta. And Leah Pritchett, finally, with a big old top fuel win joining the Freaks. And Leah, when you do join us here on the Freak Nation, that we're asking that question is, what the hell took you so damn long to get this win?
11: <laughs> well, uh, let me tell you, it wasn't for a lack of trying by any means from the Schumacher Fire Aid team. We've been hard at it for a long time, but the competition has really stepped up, and we've been stepping up. And today, today, we finally were able to extinguish it, you know, all four rounds in a row. But I want to point out real quick, it started off, I think, with a really good omen. Last night, I'm going to bed, and I saw you. I was watching the finals of, uh, of the of the boat races <laughs> on MAG TV. <laughs> and I... And I'm like, I was like, there's my guy, Kenny. And I, and I thought, I was like, man, that'd be really cool to talk to them tomorrow night. And then I went to
3: bed. <laughs> oh, see, That's a little Tony Robbins-ish. You just put it in your mind. It'd be cool to talk to them tomorrow night because that means
11: I've won. Good night, everybody. Does that mean I'm
2: a good luck charm, Leah?
11: <laughs> I believe so. looks like I'm going to be watching a lot more, uh, <laughs> more trackball racing. <laughs> yeah,
2: that is greatness. But hey, look what you look what you did today, though, Leah. With with this win, we know what it means. Once you get a win, the the pressure that it takes off of a, a driver and a team. But what was the combination that that finally put you in the finals and to get that win?
11: Well, I think every time that we've won now, I'm, so I have uh, six top fuel wins. Uh, Five with Schumacher Racing and a good majority of them from last year happened when we were at the number one spot and just ripping up the track in cold conditions and just really had a handle on things so I think that's why this one means a little bit more we've been a lot more precise about what the changes we made were in in the off season applying them to the the track they weren't working for a while and now I mean that's one of the the hottest tracks we've been in all, all season long to be able to have success in those conditions and then if we could just, you know, cultivate, you know, last year's success and what we know on the cool lines, that uh, I think it's gonna be good. But I have to say this this win is goes a hundred percent to the crew chiefs and the team. We had some we had some struggles and qualified for sure, from a part failure standpoint to not making Q three and you usually want to qual. You're trying to qualify for that low spot, and you build up to race day. Well, we were already behind the eight ball with the problems that we had, so race day was just all about getting our race car back and navigating this um, particular racetrack and its, uh, you know, unique characteristics. And uh, just, uh, it's a justification, really. And I, and I say that because, yeah, I think that's the horse that won the Kentucky Derby last night.
1: But
11: <laughs> it's the one that had the, the most experience, I think, in, in, in those wet conditions. And we've been trying to get a handle on, on for one, it's a topic, of course, uh, in HRH track prep and how it's been changed uh, throughout this season and various reasons why. And I do have to you know, tip my hat to them that they made the efforts for it to come back around and actually spent probably double the amount of time come race day on making sure that you know, the cars were getting down the track, and that we were able to put a show on for the fans that pay their hard-earned money to, to see these rocket ships go down there. Not rocket ships, obviously. Um, but <laughs> this win, it, it means a lot for me. It's the second year anniversary of joining Don Schumacher Racing, and it's my second anniversary of running the Fire Aid body. It's primary. They're based here in Atlanta. They're, they're a small company that put out huge, huge fires. And they, this weekend, enabled us to be able to put out and extinguish the competition all the way to the end of Sunday. So, it uh, it means a lot. And we had, I don't know if you guys know or maybe any of our listeners, we were able to host a girl, a 10-year-old girl, Lucy. Yes. And she has a life-threatening disease that basically, in in hot conditions, her body swells and and it's very life-threatening. And she has that somewhat under control, but she had one wish. And her one wish was to spend a weekend with our team, and we're like, "Oh my, you, dude, you could have gone anywhere, <laughs> <laughs> done anything." Uh, but make a wish, to Sparkle and Ice were able to help grant that. And we said, "You know what? We're gonna we're gonna keep it as real as possible, and just be us and you know, high fives and fist pumps to the low times of qualifying, to the hardcore times of music and getting pumped, and uh, the one thing that was super, not only impressive, but infectious really was her attitude and her attitude just, just spread throughout the entire team. And when I say that we won, I mean, she was a big part of this win. And there's, you can't ever get down when you have somebody like that in your life, like Lucy, that just brings up people greatness.
3: Leah Pritchett, top fuel winner from the Southern Nationals, joining us here in the Freak Nation. And yeah, let's talk a little bit more about Lucy, because that's exactly where I wanted to go with you. Some people discount how that can become such an inspiration, having somebody that is so powerful in your presence. But she proved it this weekend. And like you said, her attitude, how exactly did it rub off on you? And how exactly did it rub off on the team?
11: Well, so she is a a slot car racer, and Mm. she's got various slot cars, her and her dad's uh, that's that's what they do. She loves drag racing. She actually spotted the Okaharas out on their way on the way down here uh, from Virginia in the airport, and they're like, she's like, that's that's the Okaharas. Like what ten year old girl, you know what I mean? Wow. <laughs> Spots out crew members and and, and crew chiefs. So she's definitely a diehard fan. And when she came here, she was hands. Well, I said from the beginning, hey girl, you know, I'm gonna have you be with me as much as possible, as much as you want. And she was there every step of the way knew when we were doing fuel for a run, for a warm-up, when we were packing the chutes, signing with fans, like, her favorite part, I think, for the whole weekend, probably besides winning, was being in the photos with all the fans. Like, I wanted to make sure that she not only was coming to just hang out at the races, but was, like, as much as, besides being in the race car with me, actually got to experience all those things. Go up for driver intros. Meet with executives. Meet with fans to, like, this is Lucy, and she is not only our honorary crew, but uh, but our forever inspiration. And that, she hopefully she's able to come with us. I mean, we're connected for life now, and she's like a sister I never had. And that's, I, I do want to say I would have never had that opportunity to feel that and even change the person that I am if I wasn't with Schumacher, and if I wasn't, if I wasn't able to, to take that time to be with her. So there's there's something to be said about giving back. and You grow when you give back. And, and, and this team has grown personally, performance wise, all the way around. Um, I just, our goal for the, I mean, obviously, besides winning, my goal was to make sure that if she had one wish, that man, that wish was 150%. And winning, I did tell her, though, I was like, we got to make sure. So, whether they make a wish, you know, if that is their wish, we can't guarantee a win, but <laughs> we sure are going to try for it.
4: Leah Pritchard, in some of the post-race comments today, you praised the Don Schumacher Racing organization. How did that team help change your life?
11: Well, in, in 2016, I started the season off with Bob Vandergriff Racing and was really stoked and thought that that was going to be, you know, a, a very long-term deal and a full-time ride. And then that was cut short right after um, our, my very first top fuel win. And during that, uh, when I was racing for the Laganas, praised Dom and Bobby Lagana but I had one. I had one sponsor. I had one race worth of sponsorship money, and that was Fire Aid because he was in need too. Atlanta was that next coming race in 2016, and he had <laughs> his business partners, his customers, his clients. Uh, you know, that's a big part of our racing for our sponsors is to do business at the track. Well, now that didn't exist anymore. So Ron Thames and I, we got together. And we're like, we can we can do one step at a time. Schumacher Racing is able to host um, what you need for your business. If we put a car on the track, I was able to make that one particular race at Atlanta two years ago. And from there we grew it, but particularly the team where this weekend I, I've been, I don't, I've been trying my absolute hardest and, you know, what? I think I'm trying too hard I and mean, being, I don't I, I, Driving the car from the starting line standpoint, I will, I will say we, I have some things to work on. We have some things to work on, but they have my back 100%. And, and for them to be able to deal with when I'm there a lot or not there a lot, racing with three different teams throughout a weekend, mm-hmm. they, we're just friends. I mean, I, it, it just comes down to it. People do, do awesome things with people that you get along with and have each other's back, and we have that common goal. And um, it's incredible. Like, oh, so I had a flight tomorrow was my flight. I changed it this morning with my crew chief. So I was like, all right, we'll take that 11 p.m. flight back to Indy. And I did that thinking, yeah, he, I'm, I'm doing this because I'm gonna, I'm trying to like double jinx myself, you know what I mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, that means we're gonna win the race. And uh, recruit chiefs are out of here now. We're tearing down at the moment. Just left Winter Circle pictures, and uh, you know, I was gonna enjoy the night. And I was with them on the road trip from Houston to Charlotte, from Charlotte to Atlanta in the 18 wheelers with them. And tomorrow, I'm gonna be in the 18 wheelers with them all the way back to Indy. And just these moments are so rare, and we're, you know, we're going to try and keep them not very rare, but we'll live in them for a little while. As soon as we get back to the shop, it's going to be all about Topeka and, and, and the rest of you know, what it's going to take to get up in the countdown while focusing on the skill sets and the, and the capabilities and parts that we need for Atlanta. When you asked about that question just a small bit further, working with Todd Okahara, he was actually my very first crew chief ever in nitro when i got licensed in nitro funny car i believe it was 2008 2009 uh he was with jack beckman he works so well and patiently and has taught me so much about this race car and how it functions and uh, just being able to have that that comfort level of if i feel something in the car for instance even in qualifying where i felt like i didn't have enough pedal i can say to him they go back and check if i'm doing something particular on the run let's say for instance the right lane of this track was good in different parts of the racetrack. Some parts were good on the starting line from the inside to the outside. Some are better to the outside to the inside. So you, real, what I say is like driving the car, you're navigating, all right, within the first 200 feet, be here. From 300 to 600 feet, be here in the middle. By the time from 600 to, to 1,000 feet, that best traction spot's is going to be to the outside of the group. So you're moving yourself. You're not just going straight. You're moving yourself while this car particularly was spinning the tires hard, even before the bump. But some cars weren't. We were. And this thing, and I, I said it before earlier, Drift, Formula Drift, that series is coming here to Atlanta next week. But some fans might have thought it was here this week because that ass end of that race car was moving. And you stick with it, and, and you, you, you keep it as straight as possible while trying to plant it where you want it to be. And this is, I've got to say, one of the funnest and most enjoyable races that we have had so far, and that's thanks to Lucy, that's thanks to FireAid, the Ronnie Thames Foundation, and uh, and overcoming the track.
4: Leah Pritchett, the NHRA organization this weekend has really been promoting women in drag racing, and go figure, you and Courtney end up on the top spot in Top Fuel and Funny Car.
11: <laughs> so... I'm seeing that initiative just like everybody else's from the cover of national drag search to what they might be having on, on Fox sports one coverage or social. Uh, I don't have any insight to it. And the fans ask the same thing. And even other media, all I can say is, you know, there's something to it. They are, they're not pushing anything. I think they're just identifying what is going on. That. So, if you say you have a bag and you've got less than 10% of the chips that are in there are red and the rest are blue. And, 25 percent of the time maybe i mean i'm bad at math but it, you know those red chips just keep coming up keep coming up keep coming up and so i look at it it's not a female thing it's just a ratio of females versus males in a particular category and why are they being so successful and the only answer i have to that is that it starts with it starts on the inside so whether it's courtney erica Brittany. You, once you have that confidence in yourself, it's very infectious, and then other people, the people that help you do great things, have confidence in you, and you build strength together and go. How is that different than other ones? I think maybe other uh, other ones. I mean, other other series, uh, nh is so much farther along, and it not only accepting, and but the fans embracing that women can do this too, and are given the opportunities now. And heck, I mean, the forces they got, you know, driving blood just running through them you know, so deep, and, and Erica is just a, she's just a badass, so that's no different than all the other guys, but I'm sure, and they might differ with this opinion or not, but I always constantly feel like we have something to prove, and that's a very dangerous thing, um, you know, to, to to go up against.
2: Leah, as always, thank you for doing this.
11: Absolutely, I appreciate it. You guys have a great one. I'll be keeping up with you, and I uh, look forward to talking with you guys sooner than later. Topeka.
2: Is Two she, weeks. Is she just a motorhead?
11: Oh, without
3: question, yeah, off road or didn't she did TV with you, Kenny? Yeah, in drag, drag, drag boats. boats. But did she also drive a drag boat at one time?
2: No. Okay. Mm-hmm.
3: But she did do off road. Yeah. Well, yeah, she's incredible.
4: That's just anybody cheap. that drops Formula Drift off the top what? of their head <laughs> is more than a motorhead. That's that's crazed. <laughs> That's crazy.
3: Yeah, I picked up on that too. That was that was pretty cool. Comparing yeah, well, the top fuel tire traction issues this weekend in Atlanta with Formula Drift. Yeah, it's like okay, wow.
2: And I want to touch a little bit more on this about women in motorsports from 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 an angle that were, was somewhat surprising when Stat asked her that question, where it, <laughs> she says. Uh, yeah, it's really the first time I'm kind of hearing about it too, man. Oh, I know with
3: (laughs) NHRA's big push. I mean, we've seen the press releases. You guys as fans have seen it on Twitter, on Facebook. They've been making a big push with women in motorsports. They've got that segment with Amanda, pit reporter, Amanda Busick and Shirley Muldowney and other females in the sport on TV. So yeah, I, I was shocked that Leah didn't know much more about it. And I don't think any of the women do.
4: But we've talked about that more than once. We talk about that all the time. Every time one of them wins. We've always said that the uh, NHRA is the most diverse Mm -hmm. of all motorsports. They have a black champion. They have female champions. They have old champions, young champions. Uh, That's, you know, that's the NHRA. Maybe when they get, maybe when Leah gets to be 90, they'll let her drive in uh, top fuel.
3: Well, you know. Women do have better reflexes at elder years over men. They do.
2: The hell does that mean? When did you learn that, Crash? You don't have any. read it somewhere. You did not? <laughs> God! Man! Thought it was true! <laughs> but uh, we'll get to this next. Is the NHRA, are they just fishing when it comes to trying to promote these women? We explain next. Speed Freaks Spitz, Lucas All Studios.
9: Good
1: evening, my fellow citizens. It's a state man, I'm to provide guidance to mankind
4: you're used to talking about races involving 600, 700, 1,000, even 10,000 horsepower. But Saturday, I saw a one horsepower race that would justify your attention to it. Justify won the 144th Kentucky Derby with strength that reminded me of the film Sea Biscuit. Justify isn't a small horse like the Biscuit, but coming into the home stretch, jockey Mike Smith just showed the chestnut colt the whip and Justify responded. You could see the replays. He looked at the whip and found another gear to win the race going away. Now, I don't know much about horse racing, but I'm enough of a sports fan to watch the Derby on the first Saturday in May. Justify found another gear to win by more than two lengths. Will he win the Preakness in two weeks? Who knows? That's a different field, different track, and different day. But he won Saturday, showing power and racecraft on a muddy track. He won from the front, pulling away at the end. The biscuit would have been proud. Peace.
0: Motorsports Radio, redefined.
8: If you or a loved one is suffering from a physical or emotional condition that has left you unable to work, then listen carefully. Take this number down, 1-888-983-3890. That's 1-888-983-3890. Don't wait another minute to see if you may qualify for your Social Security disability benefits. Call Pinnacle Disability Group at 1-888-983-3890 for your free case evaluation. That's 1-888-983-3890. 1-888-983-3890. Call now.
0: Oh, down beside that red firelight. Oh, you got to let it all hang out. Fat bottom girls, you make the rockin' world go
2: round. Alex Clancy, who's playing the music tonight, you can email him. Are you <laughs> insinuating that the women, that Leah Prince has got a fat bottom? I think you're looking for ties that aren't there. Oh. I could be talking about the uh, Yogi Bear McGriff dude. Right. <laughs> Yogi Bear. <laughs> uh, Leah Pritchett, if you don't mind me saying, Crash, has a fine-looking bottom in, oh, her, I don't in her fire suit.
3: There's nothing wrong with looking. There's nothing wrong with admiring. Just don't touch.
2: That's just weird. I, I admire your butt, babe.
3: Well, it's... I didn't necessarily mean the buttocks in particular. I just meant there's nothing wrong with admiring somebody else's beauty or assets, I should say.
2: Again, if you got a problem with Leah Pritchett's bottom, you can email Clancy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so before we go to break, uh, we just came back for you. Uh, we got four minutes before we go to break. Statman, do you think the NHRA is just fishing by promoting women in motorsports, given their success that they've had with women in motorsports for decades. Are they just looking for reasons for to promote the series with this?
4: They'd be stupid not to. They as long as they're spending all of their time promoting 330 miles an hour in 4 seconds, they're wasting some of the best personalities in all of motorsports that are in their garage and the fact that they could promote women and all motorsports are looking for women and they could promote young people like Tanner Gray, and they could promote non-white people, old white guys like Antron Brown. Then they they ought to be beating that drum as loud as they can.
2: Bam. I just again we we talk about it on the, the Daily Show in Phoenix from time to time in regards to whether it's minorities or women doing this or women doing that, and when you talk to dudes that are Clancy and. Swaby's age it's just it's just like why are we even hailing the fact that a woman could be the first to do this or or, or, a, or a black man to, because it's just not in their dna it's not part of, part of their upbringing it's because they're all it's all inclusive for many of the the 20-somethings and early 30-somethings that
3: thank goodness
2: i'm not denying that at all it's just interesting that i kind of fall into that Th- way of thinking myself in that why are we still talking about this but again if if that's what they've got to hang their head on stat man why not
4: yeah i mean it just i go back to this uh, quickly uh, a few years ago they had a cover of their media guide that had i think 12 pictures on it and it had john force and antron brown and uh and and um Uh, I don't think Leah was in the sport then, but I walked up to the guy who ran the media and I said, who did this? And he was all defensive. Well, what do you want to know for? And finally I saw his defense and I kind of played it out a little bit. And finally I just said, look, this is the best thing you could do. And then he sort of put his shoulders down and relaxed a little bit because they were all defensive about it. And I think you and I Kenny, have had meetings with the, the highest echelon in NHRA And they're still promoting technology instead of people. And that's until they get that worked out in their minds, they're always going to be second to NASCAR, and they have nothing, nothing that they should be second to NASCAR about.
2: Freak Nation, coming up, we got not much motorsports, and there's one in here that's going to be a little kick in the nuts. It's coming up. Speed
0: Freaks, motorsports radio, redefined.
2: The Extreme Contact Sport is Continental Tire's newest ultra-high-performance tire. Tested to the limits by championship-winning race car drivers, the Extreme Contact Sport satisfies the most demanding driver. This dynamic street tire was built for car enthusiasts and engineered for extreme grip in dry and wet conditions. Whether it's a Sunday drive on the open road or you need to get to and from work, this tire is for what you do. For more information, visit ContinentalTire.com. That's ContinentalTire.com. Continental Tire, proud partner with the Freaks It works. The Boca Raton Cougars, the Las Vegas Hookers, and the Arizona Pricks? Got your attention now, don't I? These aren't real sports teams, but they are some of the most creative and funny sports logo t-shirts from Awesome Sports Logos. Each team has a history, a meaning behind it, like the Lexington Studs or the Cape Cod Scrod. And these t-shirts, they are awesome, made with the highest quality 100% cotton available and are ridiculously soft. Grab your favorite city's t-shirt now at AwesomeSportsLogos.com. That's AwesomeSportsLogos.com and
1: You're listening to Speed Freaks. Motorsports Radio, redefined. Reach out, to space.
2: Speed Freaks on a Sunday night. Thank you guys for hanging out, man. Speedfreaks.tv. You missed into of the show. Leah Pritchett was just in here. NHRA Top Fuel winner. First win of the year. First final of the year for her. Last hour, Ricky Taylor along with Castro Castroneves got themselves their, their first win in the sports car championship. Running on those Continental tires. And we asked a question on Twitter. Outside of Castro Castroneves and Ricky Taylor, they led 80 plus laps. Who led the most laps following those guys? Well, the other laps that uh, they didn't lead were, of course, run by uh, hit their team with Juan Dane. Pablo Montoya and Dane Cameron. Cameron, right?
3: You
2: Congratulations it. to who? Who won the hat on uh, Twitter? Rick Limpert.
3: Rick Limpert just sent us his information out of Georgia.
2: Bang! That's how we roll here in the Freak Nation, man. Always giving away free gear.
3: Okay, at first I thought he lived on Matt Lauer Circle, but it's oops, <laughs> it's spelled very closely to that.
2: How'd that work out for him, huh?
3: Yeah, well, hey, this guy won a hat. Continental Tire autographed
2: hat. And it's a one of a kind hat, man. When that's that's what's bitching about these. It's that's not like they autograph 40 of these things and give them to sponsors. No, they give us one with your winner. And those sons of bitches give it to us. Sons of bitches, I just called <laughs> Continental Tire. <laughs> sons of bitches. Yeah. Hey. I was getting ready to say there. Hello <laughs> there. Yeah. yeah. How's that working out for you, Guinea? Out there in your lean-to in the corner of Vine and Hollywood. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Holy smokes. Hey, Statman, curious. You get a game seven, all right? You get a game seven in the NHL Stanley Cup Finals or the NBA. Which one, And you have to pick one. Which one are you going for? I don't know.
4: That's a good question. If, yeah. if if uh, probably the hockey because a uh, hockey game 7 it's everything that happens it happens and you have to pay attention the whole time <laughs> in basketball you know the first one to 100 normally wins uh, but in in hockey it uh, it's crazy and if you get into overtime sudden death in in the nhra game and the nhl
2: game 7
4: that's
2: huge well, you just confused these millennials, Statman. <laughs> Everything that happens, happens. <laughs> <laughs> you see guys, <laughs> can not yeah. see quote of the night. suave if you you know, if you were post forty years old, you might understand what Statman meant by that.
4: Yeah, when you get to be ninety, you know, you, you <laughs> never can't tell what happens.
2: Oh, Everything uh, happens, happens, happens happens, man. <laughs> That's the NHL. That is human greatness. <laughs> not, not much, much motorsports. motorsports. Not
3: much motorsports. Helio oh. or Helio. Not not. not, not, not. Well, not only much, that. Much, 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 much Thank you, I love you.
0: And headlining the party. The douchebags. Most.
3: Not much motorsports. <laughs> the
0: freaks.
3: Not much motorsports.
2: You know, in fact, Statman, that ought to be the new tagline for the NHL.
3: I mean, when something happens, it happens.
4: Yeah, everything that happens, happens, yeah.
2: Could you see that? You know, players come off the ice. Yeah, man, when it happens, it happens, baby. NHL.
3: I smell T-shirts you been there,
4: aren't you, an, you? Aren't you a hockey fan? Aren't yeah, you an yeah, NHL I mean,
2: fan? Yeah, that's I, absolutely. I know what you mean by that. It's it, the urgency behind every single move on the ice is nuts when it comes to uh, game sevens in hockey. Every every penalty, every uh, offsides, every I
4: trying to say every everything. <laughs> Uh, See, you got to be over 40 to understand the language. The language changes after you've used it for so long.
2: All right. Well, if it sounds like Statman's on methamphetamines, maybe he is because (laughs) there's a school booklet that teaches students how to use meth for this first story for Not Much Motorsports. Parents were outraged after a New Zealand high school handed out pamphlets to its students with instructions on how to use methamphetamines properly. What? 10 Ways to Keep Well using meth was distributed to seniors.
3: So that's real speed freaks.
2: Yeah. Thank you, Crash. Mm -hmm. Man, we were just dropping all kinds of knowledge on folks tonight. Uh, It included suggestions like when taking meth, eat something every four or five hours, brush your teeth after eating, rinse out your glass, rinse out your glass pipe drink, rinse out your glass pipe, drink more water than normal, and if you've been awake longer than 24 hours... (laughs) have a break
3: <laughs> <laughs> this was passed out to school kids
2: it added swallowing meth allows your body to use its own filters it saves your lungs from damage produces a smoother longer la- longer lasting high <laughs> Wow <laughs> oh, wow and you're less likely to use more okay yeah. The, you know. this is for real i keep i, I kept looking at this thing earlier this afternoon thinking there's got to be another you know paragraph here to it no it's following the backlash glenn denham the high school's principal told the news that what the hell's going on here no what's that yeah, go ahead. oh you got it ah there got it i don't hear it though where is it
3: ah oh, the meth breaking yeah, bad thing there we go
2: that's why i didn't hear it all right, so now we got the meth, the Breaking Mad meth. <laughs> you got
3: your meth music. Basically. Sorry, man.
2: So the pamphlet from the from the principal says it's been misinterpreted, and its intention was not to tell students to use meth, but rather to encourage safe drug use.
3: Oh my God! Well, failed.
2: I mean, I know we've got an opioid problem here in this country, but. Have we gone that far as to issue pamphlets to students about how better to use opioids?
3: I think you just answered your own question right there.
2: Right? Man. Think about about, it. Crash, you're thinking about Henley coming home at 12 years old. Daddy, what is. Again, I couldn't say methamphetamine at 12. I don't probably. How do I properly use methamphetamines? (laughs) Is that what you use at night when you're on Twitter, eloquently quoting Edward Allan Poe and Charlie Daniels?
1: <laughs> no? <laughs>
2: that's that's ambient, baby. Oh,
1: my God. Oh, this, is like,
2: this isn't
4: meth or opioids. This is straight-out weed that we're doing.
3: <laughs> oh. Now, weed I can dig. Oh, wow.
2: The freaks...
3: It Where's is.
4: the drop
2: the freaks? We, yeah. We, <laughs> when I hear that 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 Breaking Bad music, it just man makes you miss the show. It does. There's not, you know what? Uh, I was gonna dig a rabbit hole. Let's don't go there. Crasher, you got one?
3: All right. Let's talk about weddings and how happy they make people. Because hours after getting wed on a Florida beach, a couple started punching each other Ooh. and they were arrested apparently they're is this after- Statman's parties. wedding the, <laughs> no,
2: the video finally came no, out it does
3: sound like the nascar wedding that we that we talked about with the crew member and the team owner <laughs> last hour
2: <laughs>
3: okay well that wasn't a wedding that was a fisticuff fight though are you on
2: are you on methamphetamine in my own step man are you on methamphetamines <laughs> no but you
4: better check all the weed pipes around the room <laughs> <laughs> what are you insinuating I'm not insinuating nothing. I'm telling you, you better check <laughs> all the pipes.
3: <laughs> According to arrest affidavits, Daniel Gillen and Gigi Reposta <laughs> became loudly intoxicating, intoxicated, and were arguing throughout the day. Then matters violently escalated at their Clearwater Beach hotel, and Gillen told cops that Reposta, so the female, started to attack. The male, Daniel, by scratching him on the chest, leaving noticeable scratch marks and injury to his torso. Raposta then said that Gillen grabbed her by the neck and pushed her to the ground. Her claim supported by, quote, noticeable scratches and scrape marks on her knee. But Raposta, that's Gigi Raposta, the female. She has had a prior battery conviction, so she oh, was no. actually charged with felony battery in this case. Hi, love you. Let's get married. Cool. Get married. Three hours later, bam.
2: All right, so I can see how meth could play a part in that as well. Possibly. All right. I've got one more, Crasher. There's pictures. There's not video of this. There's a bizarre moment where a woman is seen on a plane drying her panties with the overhead air vent on a jam-packed airplane.
3: (laughs) I heard about this. This you, isn't the first time this step, has happened.
2: Man. What? I
3: swear this happened once last year too. I swear.
2: So it's a trend. I hate man. Is it a trend? Well, right. you tell me. So it's a uh, evidently a new craze. There's a woman that was videotaped, but I don't see the video though. A drying her underwear not. on an airplane. You know, holding them up close to that vent. Oh God. The woman who was on board. You tell me if you've ever heard of this airline, Grasher. Ural, Ural, Ural Airlines.
3: Well, sounds like urine, so maybe that's what she's drying out.
2: It's not even low-hanging fruit. I mean, that was beneath the ground, Crasher. It's like beneath the ground, don't even go there. It's Hi,
3: good. not a funny person right here. That's about all I can come that's up with. That's the
2: point. That's <laughs> the point. I'm. I, I. Your father, your stepfather was involved in airlines. That's why I figured maybe she's got an intelligent answer here. Yeah, it's the... Oh,
3: I see. Yeah, well, no, I don't.
2: On this airline, she was seen in the video waving the black and white panties high above the heads of her fellow dry- travelers 20 minutes drying them out the flight was going from antalya antalya in southern turkey en route to the russian capital of moscow yep insert joke there there freak nation
3: oh yeah and trump's pea party yeah. i'm just saying why is that, why is that hang my head kind of material
2: Oh yeah, right. We need a yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. fellow passengers on the
4: plane. <laughs> See that's I was I've been holding back <laughs> membership in the Mile High Club, but that's that's that just goes a whole nother
2: place. I mean, God. come on.
1: I'm not on Grinder.
2: Oh. <laughs> so fellow passengers on the plane said the woman was not embarrassed. As she circulated her panties around the vent, uh, one eyewitness said everybody was looking with interest and confusion, but otherwise remained silent.
11: <laughs> uh,
2: yeah. So the the question was asked, what was she drying from those panties? And evidently there was a fairly significant. Twitter stream that went on following this. I couldn't find it where they were debating actually what she was drawing. Why drawing. You- but, Crasher, I'm teeing it up for another another one for you, two.
3: I uh, won't say anything.
2: Please don't, because as mm-hmm. Clancy just said in our ear or was on, over the air saying, yep, she's on fire right now.
3: This girl is on fire. Yep. Yeah.
2: Which also leads me to this, Statman. Uh, the most bizarre experience for you on an airplane happened... When, and what was it?
4: My most bizarre experience on an airplane probably is something that if you want to stay on the air, we can't talk (laughs) about it. (laughs) Yeah, it's not.
2: uh, In other news, (laughs) let's keep going here. (laughs) I'm trying to think, what's the strangest thing that's happened with, with me? What about you, Crash? I mean, you were a freaking flight attendant. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you used to crop dust.
3: And that's that's all I can think of. Because when I was a flight attendant, for some reason, I was just so into the tomato juice or the, bloody, the spicy Bloody Mary mix. I just loved that as a regular drink. But then it would cause me to fart at 30,000 feet. Oh. So I would. I would walk up the plane, and I
2: would just kind of make sure it just didn't follow why me. didn't you stay back in the galley crasher
3: because then it sticks in the galley and i have to sit there
2: so you're gonna torture a plane of 150 people
3: no just with a couple your of people tomato
2: tomahawks <laughs> up and down the aisle <laughs> you just go in the bathroom stay in this the galley is, crash this
4: is insane <laughs> We gotta, you gotta cut all this out and just set it aside. Sometime we come back to this later on. This is this, is this is the best. What is not much motorsports ever in the history of man. This is we haven't talked about motor
3: racing in the last 20 minutes. As we have Supercross on in the in the studio here. Oh in Las Vegas.
2: my gosh, Clancy your face is gonna be red for days. <laughs> Swabby, so okay over there? Eh, this is greatness.
4: There it is. Check out the check out all bongs. Make sure the bongs were all clear and clean and put away before you leave the studio. You don't want to come back in a week and find out it's still there. Yeah, We've well, already done that.
2: True. Oh, Freak Nation. That's how we roll. You missed into this show now. If it's any indication the last 15, 20 minutes it's probably a damn good thing, bro.
3: <laughs>
2: Sorry, I had to drop it out there, man. Crash. So did I. Yeah, you did. Just... So would you would you do it two or three times a flight?
3: No. It's usually just once. It was but it was a big one. It was the silent but violent version. Oh god. What? <laughs> and like I'm the only person that's ever farted on an airplane? <laughs>
2: Did your uh, fellow flight attendants go, a Crasher, you know, Jimmy Jack there in 13D has been an A-hole. Go drop the Tomahawk. <laughs> the tomato Tomahawk. <laughs> <on him>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've got god! crash on this flight. <laughs> oh, the, to- <laughs> the tomato Tomahawk.
3: That was pre-crash nickname.
2: Hide the tomato
3: juice. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. Tomahawk the juice to the moose and Statman. man. Cut it loose. <laughs> See
6: ya.
0: <laughs> Speed Freaks. Motorsports Radio. Redefined.